I love the poorly educated. Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe! Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy, it calls to you who, the social outcast, yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings. My birth name is Spud Goodman. Yes! And I've been entrusted to be the host of this quaint little radio show. Good call, bad call, who knows? But I'm ready to go here, so let's get this show started. With me in the most, I guess, I, I, I think she's the most important part of any particular radio show, and that is, of course, the designated laugher. And so with me is Gina. All right? Uh, yeah, so... Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Is is not that the most important post in a, any drive time radio show in this country? No, I, I'm not wrong. I'll answer my own question. Well, yeah. So anyway, Gene, I hope you're locked and loaded with sufficient laughter tonight. Is you're going to be called on to save me when I'm, you know, maybe come up a little short in my attempt at humor or wit. So give us a quick <laughs> sample of what you have in your arsenal tonight. Oh, um. <laughs> eh, pretty impressive. Then I, that's important. I just hope you didn't shoot your wad there and are now out of laughs, because we'll make sure you have enough left for the rest of the show. Maybe you could go light on them now. It's, it's, it's got to last you know, for the full hour. We can't have you at this point. You know, later in the show, uh, come up empty, and, and, and I still need a few chuckles, so just be judicious, oh, all right, with, with your stuff. I am a professional, and if need be, I could deliver laughs on demand for days on no end. I mean, don't you worry about me. Okay, then. All right. Also with us is our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald, Hol- Gerald Holcomb. You know, simple hi will suffice. Oh, okay, what? that's good enough. <laughs> hi, hi, everyone. Right. Uh, listen, I am so ready for tonight's show. I really feel it will be one of our best. I truly do. As that you is know, messed I'm, up, every, yo. Hey, everyone that listens to this program knows you have no clue who's on the show. Yeah. You've made it a point to whine week after week about not being given a freaking schedule due to my legitimate concerns about your ability to maintain the security of my intellectual properties. You know, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but you lack sufficient supporting evidence to proclaim the show's going to be one of our best. <laughs> well, at this point, I, I trust that it will happen. But, you know, I would like to bring up something now that I think could really help the show and interest the listeners, too. The Spud Goodman Show needs to generate a few good conspiracy theories. Uh, people love them, Spud. And frankly, we need to give the people what they want. I mean, when was the last time you tossed out a salacious rumor or controversial accusation? I bet fans of the show would really enjoy getting behind something that would cause outrage. Uh, I think I do a pretty good job of throwing out half-truths and 
outright lies? Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but your rantings have to be about topics that push people's buttons that, that could go viral. No one cares about your accusations that the NBA refuses to call traveling in games well, because of that Council on Foreign Relations you're always talking about. Yeah, I know. There are so darn many foreign players in the league now, the refs don't want to cause an international incident by blowing their whistle on that damn Euro step. <laughs> I mean, man, just because they can take like five steps overseas doesn't mean it's legal over here. They are not our friend. Even I know every player in the NBA these days travel as soon as they touch the ball. Right? Yeah, we listen. But no one cares about that. You have to think big here. If we're going to create a conspiracy theory, it's going to have to cross over demographic lines. Something that will upset men and women, liberals and conservatives, meat eaters and vegans. Okay, okay, just give me some time to think this over. But if we do this, do we have to worry about getting sued because... I mean, if a guy, you know, made some something up about me and, uh, you know, and I didn't like it, uh, I, I would obviously retain an attorney uh, and have the firm send the guy a nasty letter, you yeah. know, demanding an apology yeah. at, the, at the least. Yeah. Can you keep a secret? You know, there is some danger of that, but the key seems to be framing whatever controversial story you get behind. You just need to say, some people have said, or... It has been reported. That way, you can't be tagged as the original source if the information does turn out to be erroneous. Though, it is working pretty well right now for Donald Trump. Yeah, that little weasel's really got that angle down. I know. But look, you know, of the really good conspiracy theories out there, they're all bogus. Those are the good ones. I mean, who wants to tell a boring one that is partially true? I'm okay with one that might be like 5% factual because mm-hmm. that leaves enough room for the good stuff to get crammed in there. But hey, you know, we can get we can get back to this later. Right now, it's time to introduce our musical guest, all right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Madness Blooms, who will be performing their song, Tunnels of London. It's a great song, and we will be speaking with them later in the show. Here they are. Madness Blooms. As they tap out a beat for the corporate sound I want to live with a reckless abandon I want to feel my senses arrive I want to die in the tunnels of London I want to take it straight out of this selfish life I want to die in the tunnels of London I want to keep calm and carry on this dead of emotion I wanna pass, wanna pass this second one I wanna live with reckless abandon I wanna burn out fear and pride I wanna die in the tunnels of London I wanna transfer my soul to another time Where I open my love, open my head, open my kind over the dead, over and up, under and through, over my heart and back to you, over my lust, over my bed, over this fucking guitar in my head, over this state, over the side, over this job, over the
vulnerable, ungratified, insatiable desire to die in the tunnels of London. I am designed to die in the tunnels of London. This is Marion Ross. I played Mrs. Cunningham on Happy Days. I'm so happy to talk to you, and I love being on the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, uh, so Spud, yeah? your first guests, Kevin and Michael Bacon, are holding to speak with you. Yeah, you know, this is the first time we've done a conference call interview. Uh, I guess they're in different cities right now, but, oh. you know, they were cool enough to still make this happen. You, you know, I know my brother Melvin and I converse with our mother in a three-way call each Sunday afternoon. She lives in okay, Provo, okay, yeah. while, uh, of course, I live in Seattle. Yeah. And then Melvin, he well, look, is look, all look, the way That's down- nice, but can we dispense with the current GPS locations of your family members? <laughs> I have an interview to do here. Well, I was just saying that we Holcombs are like the Bacon Brothers. We stay in touch no matter where we are at the moment. Uh, good to know. Hey, can you just put them on? I, I have to do the damn interview. Hey, hey guys, soundboard, soundboard. I forgot to tell you this. Play a little bit of their song. That's a new song they put out. Uh, it's called Drive. It's, it's a great tune uh, before we actually put them on, just for a few seconds. Everyone was busy trying to change the world. They left me with a 16-year-old girl. All right, we just heard a bit of Driver by the Bacon Brothers, who just happened to be calling into the show at, at this uh, moment. What a coincidence. So uh, please say hello to them. Uh, Michael and Kevin, uh, we're doing our first conference call ever, so welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. All right. Yeah. And looking at your tour schedule, it appears that people all over the country will have a chance to check you out as you're going to be everywhere this summer playing cuts off your newest record, 36 Cents, correct? That's right. It- all right, super. I got something right for once, huh? Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's start this off with a question for you, Michael. As the older brother, do you play the seniority card much? You know, I don't have a younger brother myself, but I sure would. I'd keep that handy, you know, for the normal arguments on, you know, that occur on all tours, like which fast food place to stop at or what fragrance of scented candles for the dressing room, that kind of stuff. What do you think? Well, the can- I always pick the candles. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know, Kev. I don't. I don't think I do that too much. Um, I, I think we. No, no, you you don't. No, you don't. I, I mean, think, I think you know, when we first put the band together, you know, he just had so much more experience with with um, with music and with touring and with live shows. You know, I just did was such a you know novice that I, I you know obviously deferred to him on pretty much everything. Just in terms yeah, I think the uh, people sometimes uh, will say, well. 
you're the real musician, and does Kevin write music or just do the lyrics? And it's not that way at all. I mean, he's, you know, when we first started, you know, Kevin was pretty inexperienced, but, you know, he's a really hard worker and, you know, has a lot of talent, a lot of ability, has his own studio and can do his own demos and play all the instruments and stuff. So right. it's right. pretty much equaled out over the years. Well, yeah, well, on that note, you know, Kevin, I hit up Jeff Daniels with this question. Have you found it difficult as a musician, you know, dealing with an audience's expectations of you from your film career? Because, I mean, but you've been at this music thing since, what, 1995? So this is clearly an important part of your career and no side project. Well, you know, I think that it's always going to be there, you know. There's, um, you know, and we just have to sort of accept it and put on, uh, you know, the best show we can. I, you know, once we're on stage, uh, I don't, I don't really think so much about that anymore. You know, I mean, it comes up sometimes. You know, people will shout out things about a, a television show or a movie, which mm -hmm. is fine. You know, I don't, I don't try to um, pretend that I'm not an actor. You know, when I'm on stage, I just think it just wouldn't make any sense. You know, right? Um, but but it's it's just it's kind of just part of the gig. All right, super. Uh, well, Michael, as a composer, you have an Emmy stored somewhere at your place, as you won for your work on the PBS miniseries The Kennedys in 2008. So, do you break it out at like parties or neighborhood gatherings? As I would, I know that. Uh, you know the um, it's really fun to have. It's on my piano. Um, All right. But I'm sort of trying to figure out when the next one comes rather than that one so it's it's you know it's one of those things once you once you win something you want more and more and more um so you know i'm still in the game and i'm happy that i won that and uh you know i'm looking for, looking to see what's happening in the future nice icebreaker to have a conversation you know at the place if you know if things get a little quiet but i just that's just me but i don't know so uh, okay kevin um you notice this kind of back and forth kind of tennis thing this is kind of with i guess this is what you do with the conference call but anyway all right so kevin i'm guessing that you you know have to juggle touring with your film work has the band missed some gigs that you really wanted to do but we're in the middle of the film shoot uh you know it happens sometimes uh sometimes things have to get canceled it's 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 difficult because the band dates tend to come up before film dates sometimes film dates will just kind of drop out of the sky and um so that that's when the that's when the juggling begins hmm. all right super um well you know on tonight's show we're discussing conspiracy theories you guys know any interesting ones because if not you can make one up because that's basically how they get started you know i kevin i know you worked with oliver stone who is a treasure trove of this stuff and that's why i love his movies so much but you hear any interesting conspiracy theories lately well, I don't know if this is quite a conspiracy theory, but I was just in a place called Marfa, Texas. And in Marfa, Texas, there are these Marfa lights that are unexplained lights. You go to a viewing area, and there are these orbs that kind of dance around on the, um, on the horizon. And uh, they've had done studies, and a lot of people uh, have tried to theorize what it is, but... I don't think that anybody's really 100% proved it. I mean, they've done all kinds of crazy stuff, like flown um, uh, helicopters and airplanes out there and tried to drop, like, uh, a flower into, into the lights to try to see where they were. But, but you can't see them when you're there. You can only see them from a distance. So it's, it's, that was kind of strange. Have you seen them? Yeah, I saw them. Wow. What do I they like look that. like? Like Aurora Borealis kind of thing? No, they're, 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 they're like small... Uh, uh, globe-shaped orb lights that'll just like one will pop up and then it'll disappear and then it'll pop up in another place and then there'll be two and then there'll be an orange one and 
um, but all the way across the horizon, but really in really far in the distance. Oh, you know, our show has a psychic, Ted Marr, and he's kind of hooked into aliens and stuff. He speaks with them, so I'm going to have him check that one out. And if I get anything, I'll get yep. back to you, Kevin. All right. Okay, please do. Yeah. So, so Michael, in your career as a producer in the studio, um, have you ever been tempted to go the auto-tune route? For a while, a few years ago, people, you know, used it even if they could sing. And I don't think Dylan ever used it or anything, but a lot of people did. So um, do you think it does more harm than good, especially, I guess, maybe in a live show if it goes off, the equipment goes out or something? Well, truth be told, um, I don't ever use auto-tune, but occasionally um, I'll tune something sort of manually. Um, and it's, you have to be very, very careful, and I would never do it if it was audible that it was being used. Like the, the auto-tune thing was where you absolutely 100% tune it, you know, like in steps, uh, as, as if you're going up and down steps and has that funny sound. But um, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic tool because particularly in, in, in doing film music, you have to do a lot of music really quickly. Um, and you can kind of move a little faster because, you know, well, you know, if that oboe note is a little bit out of tune, I can probably just, just nudge that up a little bit later. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those things if you use it, it's just another tool, but if you overuse it, then it, you know, it gets kind of bad. Right. You know, I, on the other hand, have been thinking about using it, you know, my talk show host gig thing, because I've been told my voice needs augmentation. Whatever the hell that means. I, I guess that's a voice job, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a compliment. I know I don't. I don't I, but anyway, I'll, I'll move it on. Moving on. So. Um, so this is a question for the both of you. Um, do you guys ever, you know, do you guys root for the same teams, or is there often strife at family gatherings when a game is on? You know, and sometimes there's a, there's a split in the family in terms of who you root for. Um, uh, I think we, do, do you, I don't know, do you root for Philly teams or New York teams? You know, I, I really don't. I think it's more with Kevin and I, we root for different sports. Um, yeah. Kevin is a big basketball fan. I'm a All hockey right. fan. Um, you know, and I think we both like the Giants. I think in New York, you, you, it's about whether you pick the Yankees or the Mets or the Giants and the Jets. So, um... I think we're we're pretty much in sync over those items. Uh, Yankees, Yankees, Giants. Is bad. It's funny because Yankees, Giants tend to go together, and the yeah, Jets, Mets exactly. tend to go together for some reason. So okay, so I guess that, I, I won't mind that any further. So there's not been any major fisticuffs or anything broken out at family. All right, never mind. All right, Spud. What? Why must you continue to try and stir up controversy with guests by asking them if there are areas of conflict within their world? You well, know, well, what teams they root for, what TV shows or movies they prefer. Yeah. You know, it seems to me, and I'm pretty sure the listeners, that you are playing the role of Mr. Troublemaker on this show. Well, the job position listed on my tax return is talk show host. No one's going to tune into a show where the host just asks guests if they had fun on vacation to some exotic place or, or if they've been to any fancy designer fashion shows lately. If they want that, they can tune into Entertainment Tonight or just keep it on the E! Channel 24-7. Yes, those are the types of questions that I and millions of other potential listeners care about. Listen, don't be that guy who always tries to hit a hornet's nest with a baseball bat. Yeah, I might try that with a wasp or hornet's nest, but uh, never ever with a bee's nest, uh, as they are the key to life for humans on this planet. I saw that recently on the Discovery Channel. Oh. You see, even I have my boundaries, but let me get back to Michael and Kevin. Hey guys, I'm back. Sure, sure. Okay, this is my last and almost unbearable cliche question, so prepare yourself. Um, gentlemen, what has been the most memorable moment uh, for the Bacon Brothers to this point in your career? 
as a band? I'd say um, for me, it probably was we, we opened for the band. Um, oh, you know, super. The, of, from the 70s at Carnegie Hall when most of them are dead now, unfortunately. And um, we actually, our bass player was out of the country. So it's, at that point, we only had a four-piece band, and we did it with three of us, which was pretty bizarre. And it just was really fun, and we sat, sat in with the band uh, afterwards, and, you know, it was and it was Carnegie Hall. You know, it was, it was unforgettable. Yeah. Kevin? Um... Oh, wow, you know it just popped into my head. It's a, it's completely having nothing to do with um, playing. But one night we were on a bus um, rolling across, um, I guess it was Oklahoma or something like that. All the windows were open, and it was like you know in the middle of the night, and it was the most spectacular um, light show of a storm, you know, with with lightning and. Uh, thunder and hail that I've ever seen in my life. I was just wow. blown away. I was I always think about that. Okay, super. All right. Well, let me remind everyone that the Bacon Brothers are now out on tour all over this darn country. Let me remind them also to check out their album, um, Thirty Six Cents, available at Amazon, iTunes, and at actual record stores. If you don't see it, ask for it. So, thanks so much for calling into the show, guys. All right. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. All right, Michael and Kevin Bacon, we're going to close this thing with a bit more of their song, Driver. You'll miss the amazing conclusion of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief timeout. This ain't government cheese, it's Spud. Goodman. Goodman. My baby left me for another guy. She dug him because he had a meth lab in that trouble while trailer down the street he had a meth lab in that trailer down the street we now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the spud goodman radio show Hey, uh, Spud, it's yeah. time for our show psychic, Ted Marr. Okay, you know, I have something I want to run by him, so just do his plug and put him on. You, oh, okay. Uh, Ted Marr's Out of This World radio program can be heard each Friday afternoon, 2 to 4 p.m. on KKNW, 1150 a.m. in Seattle and on the web. Here he is. Please say hello to our very own show psychic, Mr. Ted Marr. Uh, you doing all right tonight? Fine. Wonderful, Spud. It's great to talk to you tonight. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you about someone who was in a dream of mine the other night, and I'm going to share this with you. Uh, it's usually something I maybe wouldn't feel comfortable with, but it, it's just been bugging me. It, you know, she... She was in my dream, and it, I'm speaking of the late actress Donna Douglas. You know, she played Ellie Mae Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. You remember her? Yes, I sure do. Mm-hmm. Right. A very beautiful woman who I've had many fantasies about over the years. You know, I, I love the Beverly Hillbillies mm-hmm. a lot. So when I pass on to mm-hmm. that other side, too, 
Um, hopefully, and not get sent to that hot place down below, can you try and hook up with someone up there, or is that off limits? Uh, she'll be waiting for you on the other side. Really? You will see her. I guarantee it. Wow, super. Uh, Spud, yes? well, asking Ted about hooking up with the actress who played Ellie Mae Clampett in The Afterlife is a bit inappropriate, don't you think? Well, eternity is a long time, and I'm not good living alone. Right now, I'm miserable in my apartment by myself. Thank God for pets. Well, I just think when we die, we have more important things to do than meet up with famous celebrities for erotic purposes. That is a very shallow pursuit. I myself plan to be a guardian angel and look over those I've left behind. Look, I'm capable of batch processing, okay? I can be a guardian angel too, while at the same time explore, you know, possible sexual opportunities. Mm. Just let me get back to Ted before he falls asleep or something. I just got a message from her. What'd she have to say? Um, she says that uh, you're doing wonderful work, and she's actually been helping you behind the scenes. Um, often she'll visit you at night, um, and she's part of your soul family. She has visited me at night. And she has. That's, how did you know that? Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, she is. And she will, um, as part of your soul family, she will be there when you uh, eventually pa will pass on, of course. And she'll be there greeting you on the other side when you, uh, when you uh, pass over. Wow, I would really, really dig, you know, meeting up with Donna. And hopefully we'd hit it off. You know, I am an urban guy. You know, I'm kind of hoping that that hillbilly thing was just an act so we might be compatible. You know, we both love critters, that's for sure. We got that we got in common for sure. <laughs> she's helping to take care of your dogs on the other side she says all right super okay well um she just gave you a kiss on your left cheek wow all right well okay um this is pretty good news i got i'm not gonna lie i'm feeling pretty good about this one all right well tell you what i want to thank you so much for calling in tonight um wow uh thank you again uh mr ted marr my pleasure but good night this is the Spud Goodman Show. Looks just like the real thing. All right, well, getting back to the conspiracy theory angle, yeah. you really should be listening to Alex Jones. Now, a good buddy of mine is a big fan of his, and he says this guy is the gold standard as far as coming up with stuff that, you know, get people all riled up. Yeah, I know <laughs> I know all about Alex Jones. You know, but he threw uh, one out a while ago on his show that was so messed up, I, I still can't believe he actually said it live on the air. You know, the one about our first lady, the extremely hot Michelle Obama, you know, he... He he actually questioned her gender. You know, uh, I, I know it didn't bother her. You know, if, if she even heard about it. You know, as you know, like it would be like Marilyn Monroe. I mean, would she care if some loser made a crack about her? <laughs> no. Yeah, but no. but it was wrong on so many levels. And you know, that little gnome w w would get squished by the most fit and beautiful first lady we've ever had. Um, I'm also pretty sure that a little dude is, is petrified by any person over 5'4", especially <laughs> a triumph woman. of man. Yeah, you know, I, I'm aware he's a disgusting human being, but yeah. that's not the point here. I'm just saying Alex Jones sets the bar as far as what conspiracy theories have legs and which ones are duds. He takes the high-volume approach and hopes that something sticks with the public, you know? I, I know, he's like a human t-shirt cannon. <laughs> you know, he goes until he's out of shirts, or in his case, bold-faced lies. Oh, my gammy listen to Alec Jones all the time. Really? She loves him. And yeah. by the way, she bought that thing about Mrs. Obama. No. I know. Mm -hmm. I told Gammy that it was disgust it was a disgusting tale to spread, but you know, what can you do? 
Seriously. Well, maybe I can come up with some conspiracy theories that are, are not so, um, I, don't, I don't know, horrible. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe <laughs> one, uh, you know, maybe one about Donald Trump being the actual Antichrist. You know, <laughs> that could have legs. Uh, it's going to be a thing of beauty. Some people have uh, have said, you know, uh, I know I've, I've somebody said this before somewhere. Yeah, uh, uh, on this show, you have already accused Trump of this, and it oh, never got picked up yeah. on social media. Yeah, you know, that's you really right. you got to come up with something that's fresh and that no one's heard before—a story that will make people's eyes bug out when they read it later on Facebook and Twitter. Ooh, you could go with something about the Kardashians. You know, I'm not really familiar with who that family is, as you know, the wife won't allow that show on in our house but i do know most everyone despises them i think a more effective story would be about someone people hold in high esteem you know the fallen angel tale people cannot get enough of highly respected figures taking a big fall you know that is true they love it you know there's something about people taking an unexpected detour in life and going off the rails i guess i could make up something about like i was this kind of crossed my mind, like, say, Oprah being buddies with El Chapo, you know, <laughs> that would be like a multicultural conspiracy theory. Hey, now you are talking. You know, if we could reach our neighbors to the south with something, it, it could really put this show on the map. How about this? Oprah is lobbying our Justice Department to have El Chapo extradited to a prison here where she is having a state-of-the-art tunnel dug for him. What the hell, yo? Yeah, you know, and, and, and he... Okay, and he probably can't split right away this time, so the tunnel would have all the creature comforts he's grown accustomed to in prison down there. You know, maybe a Popeye's <laughs> chicken outlet, a, a Subway, and for sure a Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we could say Oprah did it for Stedman as, as a personal favor, as he is pen pals with El Chapo. <laughs> well, that might cause some noise on the internet. You know, well, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. It's possible, but anyway, I, I think we got a guest holding. They're they're kind of waving. Oh, Can yeah, you uh, just a second, Spud. Whoa, really? Really? Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> okay, Spud, I was just told who your next guest is, yeah, okay. and I am so excited. Okay. Okay, this is one time. I am glad I'm not given a show schedule or I, I told at the staff meeting who's booked. I don't I don't think I could have slept last night if I had known that Dave Coulier from Full House is on the show. Calm down, dude. He's only calling in. I, I know, I know. But Full House is my second favorite TV show of all time. Okay. If you're curious, Eight is Enough is still number one. Right, but super. anyway, I've even got my wife Rachel to splurge and sign off on getting Netflix so we could watch the new version of Fuller House. And gosh darn it, I went through all those episodes in one afternoon. I was left wanting more. It's really frustrating, Spud. Well, keep your pent-up video interruptus frustrations under I control. I, I don't and know. please don't enjoy this interview too much and climax your emotional oh. life on the air. Oh. You got that? Yeah. Don't embarrass me with Dave. All right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to put him through. Here he is. Please say hello to comedian, actor, and now author Dave Coulier. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, though you're now on the road as a stand-up as we speak, you somehow found the time to write a digital musical children's book, The Adventures of Jimmy Booger. Uh, that's pretty impressive. You couldn't have done just a plain old book. You took this author thing to another level, huh? I did. I wanted to create something that got kids reading. And, um, you know, I, this is a it's, this is brand new technology. Uh, there's 15 songs uh, embedded in the story. So as you're reading on your iPad and scrolling through the pages, the songs launch automatically 
and you can read along with the the dialogue and sing along to the songs with the lyrics. Wow, it's pretty involved. Uh, um, you know, did you got John Stamos to do a tune uh, with the book, right? Did he want you to like work in a drum solo or something for him? <laughs> well, there's 15 songs, and uh, my Fuller House castmates joined me for the for the book. Yeah, and uh, John Stamos does uh, the voice of Buck Naked. Um, right. Lori Lachlan plays Jimmy Booger's mom, uh, Sugar Booger. And Jody Sweeten does the voice of the most beautiful booger in Nova Scotia, the voice of Emily Snotasaki. So it was a labor of love, and I got to work with people that I love. And, and um, I've heard from so many parents now how much they love this musical storybook. It's it's a recent bestseller on, uh, on iBooks, and... Um, you know, if you can get kids reading again, you know, uh, you know that's the goal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Spud. Yes. I, excuse me, Dave. I'll just be just a sec. Um. Uh, I am loving this interview so much, but if I may make a quick comment on the last statement by Dave. What? Well, you know, our middle child Lisa just won a reading contest in her class this week. I got to tell you, she is a voracious reader, Spud. Okay, is that what you interrupted this interview to say? Couldn't that have waited until I was already gone and on my way home after the show? I think it would have been, you know, much more appropriate to bring that up with one of the interns, not with our listeners live on the air. Well, I just thought her achievement merits some sort of public acknowledgement. Today, my wife Rachel and I had a bumper sticker made up for our minivan. It says, our daughter was reader of the week. But Lisa... For some reason, was a little embarrassed about it, so we haven't put it on yet. Yeah, I feel for the kid. Who wants their parents going around bragging about them? I sure wouldn't want to get out, you know, of a minivan each school day with that on the back, so all the kids can see it. Come on, school's tough enough without inviting all that abuse. You think? You know, yeah. We, we just thought Lisa's objection was the first sign of antisocial behavior, and we thought maybe we should set up an appointment for her with someone. Give your kid a break and lay off the bumper stickers. Show some compassion, man. Oh, okay, I will sit down with her mother and Jeez, she Jeez, not... can I just get back to Dave here? I haven't really even gotten into the full house stuff yet. Oh, yeah, of course. Spud, this is by far the best interview you have ever done. Really? Oh, whatever. All right, Dave, uh, my apologies, but I am back. Okay. Playing Joey Gladstone, uh, you're a TV icon for so many kids who grew up watching you. Is it is it tempting to sometimes feel like shattering the image so many have of you, like maybe doing a serial killer role in a TV movie of the week or something, just to mess with people's heads? <laughs> or or doing Bob Saget's act, you mean? Well, um, yeah, that too. You know, it's, it <laughs> you know I, I've been in family programming my whole career, and I love it. And, you know, I've got to see the, the full house kids grow up in front of my eyes and you know it's um it's it's a, a world that i'm really comfortable in and and uh i love producing family programming and so there's a natural audience for the adventures of jimmy booger a lot of it is written along the style of full house and now fuller house in that you know parents and kids are both safe when they're when they're reading you know the adventures of jimmy booger when you realize Kids are on the internet and they're on their iPads uh, and they're only one click away from something really horrific. Boogers and farts 
don't seem so bad anymore. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good point. Well, you know, you, you, you just briefly touched on Saget's act. I was just curious. You guys are long-time buddies. You, you, actually, you, what, you crashed, crashed with him for a while in your early days. Did, have you shared a bill, and is it, was it tough ever following his act, considering he does a little bit more adult material? Yeah, he uh, he and I have done several shows together, but I have to go on first because Bob takes the audience in a totally different direction than I do. Um, my stand-up, I'm I'm kind of like a, a glorified birthday clown. You know, I I try to have as much fun on stage as possible, and hopefully the audience comes along for the ride. But um, you know, Bob's style—he's always been that way. He's he's hugely funny on stage. And, you know, it's just that, you know, we just talk about different things when we're in front of a microphone. All right, all right. Well, yeah, you guys are longtime buddies, all right? It goes way back to the earliest days and you, you got broke in, right? Yeah, I, uh, I met Bob when I was still a comedian in Detroit when I was 18 years old. So wow. we go way, way back. Wow, all right. Well, let's... let's Speaking of way back, let's do a little step into the time machine here. Because in 1986, <laughs> you were originally cast in Saturday Night Live, but later changes were made right before the season started. Because that was the year they brought in Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, and Jan Hook. So it's like having to break into the 27 New York Yankees. But here's my point. Here's my thing. Uh, the upside to that was you made about 10 times, you know, what Lauren Michaels was paying, you know, by doing Full House <laughs> later. So there's a happy ending to the story, right? <laughs> Yeah, be careful what you wish for. I, I was on my way to New York to be on Saturday Night Live when I got the call uh, after my screen test at NBC that, uh, you know, Dave Lauren is looking forward to having you in New York this year as a featured player. And then another week later, I got a call and said, okay, never mind, you're not going. <laughs> I was just crushed. But had I gone to New York, that season, I would have never uh, read a pilot called Full House, and I would have never been a part of Full House. So, be careful what you wish for, and and um, you know it's just fate, and you know it's just one of those things where it's one of those showbiz, you know, uh, stories on the roller coaster, and it's been a fun ride. Yeah, it's a good story for people to look at, uh, you know, in the biz. But, all right, well, you're now in production for season two of Fuller House on Netflix, as the first season was very successful. So it's looking like you, Stamos, and Saget will be working together until you guys take your last breath. That's pretty darn unusual in the sitcom world. Yes, it is. It's very unusual. And, you know, we've become a family, and I truly love my castmates. And we couldn't be happier to be back doing the show. It's such a gift to be able to work with people you truly love. And, and uh, you know, we're like a big dysfunctional family off camera. So it's it's so rewarding to be able to be back doing a show that we, we truly love with, you know, people that we just adore. Right. Well, uh, again, very unusual in, in the showbiz world. So, all right. Well, I know you got to get out of here. So um, once again, Dave Collier has a new digital children's book out, The Adventures of Jimmy Booger, um, now available at iTunes and Amazon. So I do really want to thank you for calling into our show, okay? Thanks. The The book is exclusively now just on iBooks. Oh, so okay. um, hopefully uh, your listeners, uh, you know, <laughs> go there and, and download it, put it on your iPad, and you'll crack up with your kids. All right. Later down the road, it might be available, though, at other places, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, there you go. Mr. Dave Coulier.
a genuine musical treat, tune in to the, the Spy Gidman Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. Okay, it's musical guest interview time, and I am now speaking with Madness Blooms. Welcome. Now, you're a duo, so it sure won't take much time for you to tell us your names, so tell us your names. My name's Megan. My name's Bradford. All right, super. So the band's name, Madness Blooms, can you give us the backstory on how you decided on it? I mean, it seems like the perfect soundtrack <laughs> name for the ongoing political circus that we're experiencing. <laughs> That's a good point. I thought of that. We had a difficult time. Um, neither of us liked any names. We had these long lists that we would send back and forth to each other. We had a giant, like, well, we had a giant session at uh, Bembo Room where we sat down and we wrote a whole bunch of just ridiculous names down. And it's uh, just a combination of words. One of them we came up with, Madness Blooms. And I looked it up and the URL wasn't taken. So, right. uh, yeah, there you go. Super. It works. <laughs> it works well. Um, so, what is the band's official position on Velveeta cheese? A real food <laughs> substance or something that cannot be explained by modern science? I mean, who knows what's in it and how they make it? It's very mysterious. <laughs> Um, I, I personally am an extreme food snob. Like, I, I will not eat Velveeta cheese. Um, I think it's good uh, if you like to spray people with it. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a great use for it, but I would not put it in my mouth. Americans love a winner. <laughs> I'd mix it into uh, two nachos. Yeah, okay. Just some so, kind of gruelish kind of thing. Just so you're pro Velveeta. Sort of with a witch kind of <laughs> in a giant cauldron <laughs> pulling around. So that, if you send Velveeta, of, it's going to yeah. Brad. So if it's poisoned, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, super. Well, any big mu- uh, musical influences on the band? Someone or some band that flipped the light switch on for you both? Me? Oh, uh, with this particular style? Yeah, a uh, couple different things. I started out kind of more in rock. So um, for me, a, a really big influence from the 80s would be uh, uh, Men at Work. It's a pretty huge influence, and that somehow comes through in some of this. Um, Morphine, which is a band from the oh, 90s, yeah. is a huge... Great band. Just like a huge influence on me. Um, and uh, I'd say probably more modern 2000s would be like Bayside um, or uh, um, uh, Alkaline Trio. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, you know, and we both like vocal harmonies. I kind of... Yeah. This is really nerdy, but I kind of grew up on like Enya and Broadway, so mm. that's... that. Nurtured my love of musical up, harmony as I, well. I grew up in the Carpenters, and one of my things yeah. is I kind of call us a dark version of the Carpenters. So. Oh. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? All right, super. Long-term goals for Madness Blooms. Uh, playing stadiums, or do you prefer an intimate setting? We just want to have a good time. Um, oh, I like we, that. We let the road roll out where it takes us. All right, well, uh, how about some music? Are you ready for another? Can, are you ready to do another song? Yeah. Sounds great. All right, yeah. let's do it.
is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, this is Bill Bellamy. You're listening to my buddy Spud Goodman. He's crazy. Say, uh, Spud, your last guest, Eugene Simon, is ready for you. I was just told he's on that Game of Thrones show, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know where he's you know, calling in from. Uh, I know he, he's from London, and uh, I don't know. They shoot all over the world on that show. Who knows where he's calling in from? Yeah, you know, if he has one of those heavy accents, would you like me to interpret for you? I work with a guy who's in a play at some community theater. It's yeah. a period piece where his character has to use a Lancashire uh, dialect. Now, when he goes over his lines at lunch, I can now understand almost everything he's saying. I don't think that's going to be necessary. I mean, just... Put Eugene on. Yeah, okay, you got it. Please welcome actor Eugene Simon. How you doing? Very well, Spud. Very well indeed. How are you? Excellent. Uh, okay, I'm pretty sure most humans on Earth are aware of the show you're on, Game of Thrones on HBO, as it's been described on the internet as having the most devoted fans in pop culture, more popular than Star Wars, Harry Potter, or even Justin Bieber. That's scary territory when you want to go to the mall or McDonald's, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, we have a lot of, we have a very large uh, cast, so there are so many characters that uh, lovely fans have to look out for, but it, it is, it's a wonderful thing to know that so many people respond to it so enthusiastically, it really is, we, we couldn't know when we started first filming Game of Thrones that it was going to get such, uh, such force behind it, such power, but I think that Dan David and producers and, and assortment of great actors and crew have just made a really wonderful show, and uh, when Ned Stark got his head cut off in season one, that was really kind of a game changer for us as a show. Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, I should say up front, though, before we get too deep into this, that the Spud Goodman Show is just a regular old radio show. We don't have any really cool special effects like me riding a dragon or petting some mammoth. It's still a halfway decent show, but I just thought I should be honest. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so, Eugene, the family tree for characters on Game of Thrones is somewhat complicated, as a rookie might, you know, a viewer might need a program. So can you give our listeners the scoop on your character's background? So, absolutely. My, my character, Lancelot Lannister, um, was at the very start of this show. And when he first comes into this uh, world, he plays a squire to the king at the time. And he's a member of the Lannister household. And they are kind of the Machiavellian household of the Seven Kingdoms. Very ruthless, very committed to keep making sure that their household stays in power. They're very rich and they're very, very powerful. And my character kind of rises, ascends sort of the hierarchy of um, within the, the court of, 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 the, of King's Landing by essentially sleeping with Cersei Lannister, who yeah. is the queen the Queen Mother and also his cousin. And Lazar ascends this hierarchy and at the end of season two undergoes, an, undergoes a particularly bad trauma that sees him absent for seasons three and four, but then sees him come back transformed under the guise of this, well, this religious figure. So he's completely changed essentially and had a kind of religious transformation and is now part of the faith of the seven. So that's who my character is in a nutshell. Well, on the romantic side, uh, I noticed the families are a little loose on uh, who they uh, you know sleep with. I just thought I'd throw that out. I don't want to offend anybody, but anyway, I mean, in terms of uh, you know, not at all, not at all. It's it's it's, it's the truth. We have we have um, it, it's it's a fairly kind of open attitude to uh, yeah. to, to romance in uh, in this world. Definitely. All right. Well, this is your sixth season on Game of Thrones. How come uh, Lancel Lannister hasn't been beheaded? 
excited or smashed by something yet because the lifespan for actors on the show can be somewhat unpredictable. Do they at least give you you guys you know a heads up before you go before the cameras for the last time? Because I'd be bummed if I was killed off on a, such a cool show. Well, they certainly give you a heads up if if, if um if you're going to die, they will give you the dreaded telephone call. But um, I suppose one of the reasons that Lancel hasn't died is because as a character, he's always been on the peripherals of every situation. You know, he's, he's, he's been someone who's been around for six seasons. And whenever you see him, he, is, he tends to have a very, very high, um, a very, very strong influence on how the scene will progress. It's just the nature of his character. But he's not been focused on enough to make him warrant death. And it's a little trick, I guess, that Lancel, uh, uh, that the writers have sort of uh, have, have utilized with Lancel, which huh. is to make him eh, just enough to not want to kill him. Oh, well, uh, well on that note, uh, you know, we're on tonight's show we're discussing conspiracy theories, and Game of Thrones has tons of them. Have you ever asked the writers to maybe come up with, you know, something, something wild for Lancel? Ah, well, I've always been interested in what Lancel would do if he were, if he started to sort of spread his faith throughout the Seven Kingdoms. You know, the idea of seeing the you know the the, the faith militant into the full plate armor. You know, on a real kind of crusade-like voyage to spread the faith. Huh. Um, and I certainly, I, I would certainly be interested in talking to Dan and David about that. But uh, you know, they have such a huge job keeping every character in the show in check that it um, you know and, and giving them the storyline that they deserve. But they certainly do a very good job at it, so I, I would never ask anything more than what I've been given from them. Yeah, the cast is so large, I could see where the writers would space and like kill off the wrong guy by mistake because he just forgot who he was. My God, that, that we go through the credits, if, if every every on-screen person was credited, geez, it'd take like four hours. I just thought I'd throw that out, just my observation. But <laughs> Anyway, all yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It's a good observation. Yeah. So, uh, so I may mention something here. Yes. Uh, excuse me, Eugene, uh, just one moment. Well, it's a good thing Eugene can't hear this, but yeah. you, know, you know that show he's on, Game of Thrones? Right. Well, I've only seen a few minutes of an episode. It was at a neighbor's fondue party. Anyway, it had some very disturbing scenes of nudity. A lot of nudity, Spud. Duh! Dragons, sword fights, and amazing special effects will only get you so far ratings-wise, man. I mean, but you're okay with all the bloodletting? I gotta ask that. Well, I had no problem with the violence as it was done tastefully, you know? Uh, boy, I gotta tell you, the body count was huge in only the couple minutes that I saw. Uh, are you done with your review now? Just hold thy tongue and let me finish this thing. Okay. Well, it's it's been announced there there will be a season seven of Game of Thrones, and yeah, you know that kind of that must have been a tough call for the execs at HBO. I mean, do we want another season of a show that's the most important thing in the world to millions of people, or, or would we rather face the wrath of those viewers? I, that must have been a tough one. So, anyway, do, do you think Lancel will survive season seven? I am I am, I am confident Lancel will still be alive. Huh? So we will have to wait and see exactly whether or not my my confidence is well founded. <laughs> Are you at least, like, uh, when you're at, you know, maybe in the shower, I getting out in the morning or something, in the mirror, practicing a possible death scene? Has that ever occurred to you, just, like, to think about it, to be ready if it happens? <laughs> I have certainly a, uh, I have certainly a, a kind of a fantasy in my mind of how long, how I would like Lancel to go. There's a, a real possibility in my mind that Lancel might like to spread the faith throughout the Seven Kingdoms and ultimately meet Melisandre. I think if he met Melisandre, there would be a real... Uh, a real confrontation of um, uh, of religious orders, and uh, Lancel would certainly be rather interested in trying to suppress hers. So, uh, in my mind, Lancel could certainly go down trying to battle with Melisandre. All right. <laughs> 
Very cool. All right, I know you got stuff to do, so I'll let you go. I want to tell everyone that people can check out Season 6, now airing on HBO, and past seasons, of course, on demand. So, uh, hey, Eugene, I want to thank you so much for checking in with us. Thank you very, very much indeed, Spud, and enjoy the rest of Season 6. All right, super. Mr. Eugene Simon. You know, I think tonight's show will be a great vehicle to test drive possible conspiracy theories. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what feedback we get on social media after the show, because, you know, it's always so difficult to predict what the fickle public's going to embrace. Well, I came up with another one that might work. Yeah. What about something regarding the Dalai Lama? I mean, he's such a cool guy. It, it would greatly trouble me, but I am mm. a professional, so I just have to suck it up. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if the Dalai Lama has the broad appeal that some others might have. How what is the question? The insane clown posses. I know all my fellow juggalos love conspiracy theories about Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope. Oh, we eat them up. Yeah, yeah, again, Gina, outside of your uh, clique or whatever you juggalos call yourself, the appeal of the insane clown posse, it's very narrow. Well, very narrow. How, how about George Clooney? I mean, he's a real stand-up guy, and I trust my life with him. <laughs> oh. George Clooney would be a great choice. Is there any particular storyline that you had in mind? Oh, feel free to put me in any made-up lies with George Clooney. Uh, well, how about he he actually owns an overseas company that sells black market sex toys, uh, you know, crappy ones made in China. And, uh, <laughs> well... And, Possibly, possibly, but that may not have legs. The sex toy thing has potential, but, you know, it's a little lacking. Yeah, yeah, but just about every living being on Earth has at least one or two of those things. And, and here's the kicker. We say that they cause <laughs> a really serious allergic reaction or something, you know. And Welcome and to manned space yeah. exploration. People will flip out looking for someone to blame. And bam, we out George Clooney, yeah. you know, I mean. I'm not feeling that one. George Clooney would actually do anything short of... Gen I, G George Clooney could do anything short of genocide and would still be loved. He's Maybe. just a great guy. But the king of sex toys, you don't think it would fly? Yeah, well, no. if this is going to be fruitful for the show, Spud, you're going to have to take some risks here. I sure don't think Alex Jones loses any sleep after he drops one of his whoppers on his listeners. Look, I, I don't want to burn in hell on high heat like Alex, okay? Now, he may have made his pact with the devil, but at least I have a bit of a conscience. I I'm not against running a couple wild stories up the flagpole, but even I, Spud Goodman, have standards. Good for you, Spud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, of course, it was the Gerald Holcomb show. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. I could never involve myself in such behavior. You know, I'm a deacon at my church. Ah, I'm just fulfilling my job duties here as your co-host, trying to help the Spud Goodman show as much as I can. Well, maybe we should solic you know, solicit conspiracy theory suggestions from our listeners. Now, before we sign off, right, which is going to be just a sec. Bye-bye. Yeah. So, could everyone now listening send us some potential stuff we might be able to use on the show? We would really appreciate it. The email address is thespudgoodmanshow at gmail.com. You know, and if we go with what you suggest, we will give you partial credit by listing, you know, you as the original source of the information. It's, it's only fair and, you know, and do include your address, you know, for any future subpoenas or lawsuits. So, you know, just in case. Oh, Spud, please forget my idea about Taylor Swift being the arms dealer in Somalia. Yeah, Nobody would buy that. That was really lame. So. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, we got to close the show. So now, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once again, Madness Blooms.
Jason Carson's ghost Surrounded by torn up novels of Louis Lamont Widow with three sons who no longer breathe Solitude took the place of family in a washed up king on a broken throne is no lasting legacy. She stares from a porch, watching flocks returning to nest. He stares from a balcony, watching cities continue to grow. The Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Production assistants Brian Martin, Trent Patello, and Amanda Tompkins. Video director TJ Pites. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. The show's Greek chorus is the folk singers in hell. On-air talent Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, David Deere, Derek Schneider, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. While whispers in the ear burn failure on the singer's lips The quest for meaning had taken its toll She stares from a porch watching like This has been a fun presentation Super